Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. This is my friend Jamie Rindy, and somewhere behind her face is my other friend Me. Chris Ford. There he is. Thanks for speaking to us so we can see you, Chris. <laughs> we have a very special episode for you today because we're going to do a few things. First, we're going to talk about our weeks, like always. Second, we are going to have an extremely, extremely important debate about food, and we're going to invariably settle it in the most American way possible by popular vote, which we all know is is a flawless a flawless yeah, system it's going really well right popular, now it is going, <laughs> <laughs> yes popular vote is clearly the only right way to do things <laughs> and uh then we are going to get a quick review of a recent avatar book that came out from chris legacy of the fire nation and then finally we are going to get to what i consider to be a pretty divisive episode of the show that is called the beach it is book three fire episode five the beach episode 45 overall give or take and at least i personally consider it to be kind of a divisive episode so it should be hopefully a pretty interesting podcast episode but i'm going to segue into that first by saying hi jamie thank you so much for joining us and we were wondering if you would tell us how you were doing yeah well first of all thank you for having me back on um especially for this episode big fan anyway i'm always happy to have you on to be outvoted no it's for sorry for you to outvote me that's what (laughs) you always bring me on for the episodes that you hate and it's fine (laughs) i think it's important because i am often in the words of john mulaney i am often wrong and i think it's humbling and good for me to to see that live i think that's important for me i mean it's it's not right or wrong it's more like coming down to different tastes and we'll get into <laughs> it but the point is that i'm very happy to be on this episode um and my week has been pretty solid my birthday was on monday so that was fun always lines up with the super bowl um yeah you're overshadowed by america i am sorry I- to hear that so it, sorry. it happens it happens every year <laughs> um, it's every... Sunday or Monday but yeah so that was cool and um, I'm interviewed for a new job today awesome, Ooh, awesome. nice well, happy belated birthday, and I hope the interview went well. Unless you don't want that job, in which case, no, I hope it I went honest. No, I job, and it's going to oh, be great. Great. <laughs> I, I think it went well. We'll see, I guess. Great. Yeah, uh, sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you already. I'm off to a good start. No, that's all I said. I said, we're going for it. It's going well. Chris, how about yourself? How has your, how's your week been? It's only been like three days since I've talked to Chris, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it hasn't, <laughs> yeah, hasn't that much. You can uh, have long... too much of a good thing. Uh, it's like a, it's like a big cookie, in the words of Troy from Community. It's like a giant cookie. Yes. <laughs> um, it was on good. Uh, Chiefs won. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. So uh, my second favorite team. That. Go Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sports football. Yay. Hashtag sports ball. Yeah. <laughs> it is i you know, i've never seen uh anything as i was in lawrence for a national championship and for an 11 win football season i have never been in a city as insane about i was pretty close to kansas city when they won the world series i've never seen a city as insane as anything as this city is about patrick mahomes not even the chiefs in general just just patrick mahomes he yeah. is yeah so that's cool. I mean, even last year when they lost, sorry, Jamie, even last year when they lost in the <laughs> AFC game. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to say what we talked about. <laughs> uh, even, even when they lost, like fans are like, hey, you know what? It's fine. We have Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's 20, at that point, I think he was 23. He's 23 years old. He's like the best quarterback. We'll be fine. 
and you know they were fine, and they won Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, since then I've been focusing a lot on my mosaic glass piece I've been doing on static, and I feel more like a feel like an artist lately because it's weird. Sister Act Two. I'm bring that up if you know that movie. Love that movie. <laughs> That's a great yeah, one. Was, uh, what's the segue here? I would like to know. No, nope, about... no segue. He just wanted to bring up a great movie. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg and the lady Trish. that plays Professor McGonagall. I forget her name, but she is a killer Maggie actress. Smith. Maggie What's... Smith. Come on. What are you doing? I, I don't know anybody's names, but I respect, <laughs> respect her. But one thing, I do love the movie Sister Act 2. Uh, but in that movie, she's she wants to get Rita, a.k.a. Lauren Hill, to sing, right? Um, and she tells her, like, you're a singer. If you wake up and you think about singing, and then you're a singer. If you think about that throughout the whole day, then you are a singer, right? That's about mm-hmm. what doing what you love, and you are that. Uh, so that's the segue here. So like, I go throughout the past like couple of days, and I've I've just been so focused on on getting this mosaic art piece done. Like when I go to work, I look at pictures of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do this and do this. So I feel like like when I wake up, I feel like I just want to go in and work on work on this art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I. I I do quotation marks art because I feel like I'm not. No, it uh, is art. You take those quotations. Uh, I just, I just, I just, someone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I cannot wait to see what. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to do it. It's my first mosaic glass piece ever, and I think it's going really well. I'll probably only ever do two. After I'm done with this one, I'll take a break because so far, I've been working on this thing for like five months now. <laughs> like I've, cool. I've committed like over like. 250 to 300 hours on it or, or somewhere around that time. It was um, the lone so bright Seeing that, even in its unfinished form, was the lone bright spot from having to drive to your house to watch that movie. No, uh, well, other than, you know, spending the time and whatnot. But <laughs> I did, It was, even in its unfinished state, it was more artistic than anything I've ever made in my life. So <laughs> a low but true bar. Yeah. Well, that's how that's how my week has been going. So after we're done with this podcast, I'll probably be up till one o'clock in the morning working on it again. Cause that's what I've been. I've not. I've not been getting a lot of sleep lately. Okay. I mean, Cassie, outrageous. Been, yeah, on average, I've been going to sleep at like one o'clock or one thirty. Then I wake up at like six fifty. You know, go to work, stuff like Oof. that. Work forty hours a week. Take care of kids. I've been taking like little naps in my breaks at work, okay, which are pretty good. Like the power nap, the ten to fifteen. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm good at napping. Like I go straight into dreaming. Really, (laughs) I'm proud of myself. That's impressive. I yeah, definitely cannot do that. I I I work during the days, come back, maybe play some volleyball, and then go immediately to bed. There's none. I used to be so much more of a night owl, and I'm not anymore. (laughs) I was. I was a night owl before I had a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We work like actual hours. The thing now. is, yeah. The thing is, I gotta really like change my schedule up before the baby's born, yeah. and because uh, that's gonna change my time. It's gonna do it for you. That's for sure. Yeah, it's gonna do it for you. Can you? Oh yeah. So, so, huh? Can you remind us, or if you care to at all, a due date or a rough due date? Uh, due date is May seventeenth. Yeah. Ah, so it's uh, oh my gosh, yeah, almost in the third trimester. We're, we're having crazy. another boy. Oh, another boy. excellent! Oh my gosh, yay! That's and so then, 
I'm so excited for you. Uh, Thank you. It's so good. It's so good. You still got three months <laughs> to figure out the sleep part, though. You'll be fine. You're you're prepping That's right now. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, no, I I never know how to segue into my into my own week. I always want to be like, "How was your week, Sean?" Well, any it was great because um, I never know how to do it. It just sounds selfish. But I just need to note that all I did was watch Community with my wife and watch Static Shock by myself because it occurs to me that comic-con uh planet comic-con here in kansas city is only six weeks away give or take six yeah. seven something yeah, like that like sneaking up on us yeah the comic-con season mm-hmm. it's coming that time yeah. of year so uh and i have a lot of weekends booked between now and then so i gotta stuff a lot of static shock in as many places as possible but my wife fortunately also really loves community and that has been a, a boon in our household we've been looking for a show that we can bond over so it's been Ooh. great and, and that's one my of my some of my top three comedies of all time it gosh i gotta be honest it might be my number two comedy of all time uh i, I really like futurama right. i always have uh but i would say that community is very close if not the same tied one two whatever nice well now now now, now we need to do our top threes all right uh my <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead <laughs> my number one is Scrubs. I've been rewatching Scrubs lately a lot. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that show so much. Community is probably number two. Um, that show just genius on so many different levels. It does. It hits um, me right here. Yeah. And then number three is a fairly newcomer to the game, which is The Good Place. I knew I've you never were going to say it. I, know, I, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> it's Amazing! Show. I, I I forgot. I remember Brickman and Sean. I've I've never seen a smarter comedy that balances, in you know, philosophy, um, humor, heart, all of it. It does it all so well. Story like has twists and turns, um, just ethics of it all. Amazing show. Mm-hmm. I'm willing. I'm willing to separate the animated from the non-animated, and probably see those as different genres. The more I think about it, in which case, Community would be my obvious first. And I don't have a real close second because I haven't watched a ton of Scrubs. I haven't watched enough to know, and I haven't started a good place. But my wife did agree that we could try that one next. <laughs> Jamie, what's your top three? Give us your top three. Comedy is hard for me. I, I feel like I've watched so much. Like, I've watched all the shows, but, like, they don't... I mean, coming to just top of my mind, Parks and Rec is... Mm. Yeah, I like Parks and Rec. I like yeah. six-ish seasons of Parks and Mike, Rec. Mike Schur, Mike Schur, the creator of Parks and Rec, is... Like, he's a freaking genius. Like, he created Parks and Rec. He wrote on The Office. He created The Good yeah. Place. He created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like... This dude is, he knocks out a park yeah, and everything he touches. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, really, really solid as well. And like I said, like, yeah, yeah like, I end up watching them all, um, and I find them all really good. But, like, comedy just doesn't really, like, it's it's not really my genre of TV that I always go back to. But, like, I really like Parks and Rec. Obviously, love, I mean, who doesn't love The Office? Um, sure. And, like, animated, I mean, I've seen a lot of the animated Like, recently I was... I've been watching BoJack Horseman. It just finished up. I've recently been watching Silicon Valley because it also just finished. I like Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. I haven't seen it all, but I really like it. Yeah, Silicon Valley is really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, longtime South Park fan. I don't know. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, all it's over the, all strange over the- that you like. 
in my head are like, she's way too young for South Park. It's like, no, South Park has been on forever and ever and ever. It's crossed generations yeah. at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. I think I've seen like every episode of South Park. So, I mean, I mean, I've seen a lot of South Park. Animated. I love South Park and Archer and Futurama. I like, mm-hmm. I like stupid funny dialogue. Is kind of my go-to. Stupid funny dialogue. I like more of. I mean, I like the. Well, with South Park, I like the commentary and the satire, and I like just every. I like everything that it does, and it just pushes boundaries. And I like anything that pushes pushes boundaries. Yeah, that one, maybe more more so than most, but yeah. That's yeah. fair. Uh, well, that wait, man. I wish I had a slide for that. That was a fun discussion. <laughs> discussion. I gotta throw. I gotta throw a slide in there real quick. No, uh, actually, I'll, I'll do my best to usher us along because Jamie and I both have a bedtime and Chris has a glass mosaic to make. So I'm going to do my best to usher us along. I have along. a job. I have a, a real work thing now. Chris, Chris has a job and children and he complains the least about bedtimes. And that excuse. makes me feel selfish every time, but I'm still going to continue to have my bedtimes. Selfish. Uh, so I just really don't need a lot of sleep. I say that, but, it, you know, couple years from now it'll catch up to me (laughs) or i think uh, i think our bodies are good at adapting so i'm just going to hold that hope that you're actually developing a superpower that's what i'm going to hold that hope uh i'm going to segue i don't have a segue i'm just going to move it into the waffles versus pancakes discussion (laughs) and i have a proposal and that is that uh either chris or myself i will let chris choose he's like the home team because we're on his youtube channel so i'll let him choose which one of us should go first and which one of us goes second and it's not rebuttals or arguments. I just want to, we just points. Like one minute of, of points, and then the other person, one minute of points. And then when Jamie breaks the tie with her one minute of points, uh, that is the end all be all decision. And the rest of the world has okay. to bow before the final decision. And that's and it's no pressure, Jamie. Uh, okay. But if, all right, um, Sean, I will allow you to go first. You allow me to go first. All right, I'm going to try to hold it to about a minute here. And I've got my little clock there to hold myself accountable. So I love waffles. Waffles are better than pancakes, in my opinion, because I like crispier foods. So they got a crispier structure. It retains its structural integrity when you put the toppings on it better than a pancake. It holds the toppings. I like my toppings compartmentalized. I want peanut butter on this half sometimes and syrup on this half sometimes. I can compartmentalize my toppings. It has the potential to be shaped into other things. That, I mean, a pancake, you could kind of roll it and shape it and other things. You do all the same thing with a waffle, but with better structural hold. And then it also has, you can do homemade with, I admit that homemade waffles are not as easy as pancakes. That's like the one big argument that kind of irks my joints the other way is that homemade pancakes, easy. Homemade waffle maker, whole separate appliance. I understand that argument. But frozen waffles, I maintain decent frozen waffles in a toaster, properly toasted, are still pretty decent and you can't have frozen pancakes so that's my leveler and that is all my points and that's right at about 30 seconds or about a minute excuse yeah. me good job good job on a minute thank you okay uh waffles are okay and ego waffles are fairly terrible one thing because you can't <laughs> you can't they, they taste they taste like waffle cones right because if you put them i have to cook them in a specific way i first have to warm them up in the microwave just to get them all evenly done. Then I got to put them in the toaster to get them all crisp. And by that point, it's just weird. Um, the best waffle 
that you can get. It's probably at, what is that place called? Uh, Waffle House. And it's not even that great. And that's the best waffle you can get. Now, I do like um, the waffles shown here. Those are okay. I can make those at home, but they're still not that great. Now, pancakes. Pan and you talked about toppings. Pancakes are so good. They don't need toppings, right? Pan it's a cake. It's a cake in a pan. It doesn't get any better than that. This is for breakfast. Cake for breakfast, Sean. Cake for breakfast. <laughs> um, like, go to you can get great pancakes anywhere. Even McDonald's pancakes is better than the best waffle. But IHOP, Cracker Barrel, and these pancakes are, are all have variations, but they're all really good. IHOP, Fluffy, um, Cracker Barrel. You can get a little crisper if you want some of that crispiness there. You can get it. Um, but I've never just eaten a waffle and be like, mmm, this is good. I've eaten plenty of pancakes and thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Uh, that's, funny. That, that's funny to me. I do. So I have two questions. It's not rebuttals, actually, like general, genuine oh, questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said the Waffle House, like the chain, the Waffle House, or do you mean Hanover, the the pancake place? No, I meant right. I meant Waffle House. Oh you, darn, I missed. I forgot. I forgot another point. No, please, because uh, we got you got to talk about Hanover. I think it's hard to have this yes, discussion without that's, it. That's, Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, Jamie, you don't know this, but I'm a legend. I um, know. Okay. <laughs> wow. I was not informed of this before I joined this podcast. I, I will admit it's actually semi true. <laughs> so there is there is an amazing Sean talked about um, waffles being used in different ways, but if you if you make a pancake, right? You make like a foot long diameter pancake. At this place, uh, where we're from, there is a place called Hanover Pancake House. They make a pancake, it's about a foot in diameter. They put eggs, hash brown, sausage, cheese, bacon, and they wrap it up like a burrito. It's called a pancake wrap. Ooh. In order to be satisfied, you only need half of this. <laughs> um, and that is one of the most amazing things I can eat for breakfast. One day I got challenged by someone to eat two in one sitting. I pretty much, I was like, it's a meal. One, it's not like it's not like somebody just arbitrarily chose two. It, it's actually a meal offering at, Han at Hanover. Yeah, um, and I, I, it's really a huge amount. Um, I, I came really close. I was only like four, maybe three bites short of finishing two complete ones. But still, the waiters there. If you go there today and you order a pancake, right? They'll be like, "Oh yeah, there was a guy from Payless who ate two of them in one sitting." And I'm like, "I know." That's me. Yeah, I'll be like, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I came here just for that. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do have a second clarifying question. You said you had to put your waffles in the microwave. I, I love pancakes or the waffles out of the toaster because I feel like I've got my toaster setting where it just like a nice, even, crisp, and warm. Do you not get that out of the toaster or? No, I don't. The thing is that I don't want my waffles to be that hard. If okay. it's that hard, I gotta overcompensate and put more syrup on it to soften okay. it up. So and texture, and then that throws off the sugar difference. to sugar to to cake or batter or waffle ratio. Okay. So I gotta warm it up a little bit in the microwave, and that way it toasts just to the the optimum amount in the toaster. I actually, I just, that's probably going to come down to like a texture preference. And I just like crispier, yeah. harder foods. So honestly, if, if we're really digging down into it, that might be like the baseline difference, I suppose. But um, okay, Chris, nicely argued. And I should point out, I also don't hate waffles. I love waffle or uh, pancakes. Excuse me. I love pancakes. 
just love waffles more. I do, that, I do like those Belgian waffles with peanut butter on it. Oh, really yeah, good. those are the best. Um, that being said, I think uh, I think we have to let Jamie decide for all eternity in the entire internet. She has to settle the debate of which is better. Um. Wow. Okay. Well, Watch her not like either. <laughs> she's like, I hate food. And, wait, what? Um, I hate breakfast. No, I do have an answer. I do have an answer. And I've been thinking on this one because I was warned well ahead of time that this was going to be a thing. So I've really had to like weigh my options here, weigh the pros and cons, and I have come down on a single side. Okay. Ready for this? I'm about to be heartbroken, I can tell. <laughs> no. I love, I pick waffles. I love I'm a more textured person as well. I like the crispierness of the waffles. That being said, I don't like a whole lot of sweets for breakfast. Like if I, if I were to choose, like I would have like a breakfast burrito <laughs> over either of those things, but do love a waffle. I used to have a waffle iron and I would go so hard with waffles on the weekends. And I feel like when I made pancakes, like I was like, this is not like enough. Like I would eat like four of them and I would be like, I feel like I just had a dessert for breakfast. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, was, I don't know if I want that, but I, I do like waffles. You can also do them like savory, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I, but I, too. I mean, I'm not, I would not be mad if someone made pancakes tomorrow morning. I'd be really happy with that. Actually. I absolutely. I think it's fair to say that Jamie, uh, she's probably actually just humoring me because she knows she's going to side uh, with Chris later when we talk about the episode. She's like, I'm going to level the playing field. Uh, yeah, I can't. Going to yeah. soften the blow. She she probably actually loves waffles. So, Jamie, I appreciate where your yeah, heart's at right there. I'm a, I'm a big waffle fan. <laughs> Both good. Let's just, we just, if you can eat pancakes or waffles, you're going to be happier one way or the other. Exactly. Exactly. That was it. I think tomorrow I might go get some chocolate chip pancakes from and over chris not so this weekend coming up is valentine's day weekend which i don't care for but i understand that is a holiday uh but then the next weekend i was thinking we need we need to uh we need to like do an in-person recording at your house again so we can play super smash brothers and start thinking about the super smash brothers idea and then maybe at that time we should go like real late night run to waffle house because i haven't got to do that in a long time so Put that, put that on the table, pun intended. Right. Uh, thank you for <laughs> indulging that conversation. We can talk about actual real-life Avatar stuff now, which we're going to start with. Chris is going to offer his review of Legacy of the Fire Nation, or at yes. least a miniature review oh, of this yeah, recent yeah, book. Oh, yeah, hey, it looks yeah, better in job, person. Man, man. It looks very pretty. I love it. Yeah, I love it, it is. Very... That's a great And cover. that is, so quick review here. That is the highlight, really, of this book is its prettiness. <laughs> Oh, I, I was mean, like, not... the cover the cover's the highlight of the book. I don't no, think like, that's... Huh. The, the art in this book is really, <laughs> really amazing. Like, it is really good. You probably can't see that that well. But, uh, no. yeah, you can't see that that well. Never oh, mind. No, it's, Why am it's I decent. It? No, it's decent. <laughs> it's decent. Okay. Like, yeah, what is that? Azula? That's, oh, uh, Jamie, you have really... to stop talking, okay? <laughs> 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 like... The art is just, it's really good. Like, I really want this artist to do even more Avatar artwork. I wish I could find the artist's name because, uh, okay, original illustrations by Sora Medina. Uh, but really, really amazing artwork. I can't say enough about it, mm-hmm. as I do. Um, as for, like, the things provided here, we don't learn that much more about 
really Zuko, Iroh, or the Fire Nation. There's some really good insights into Iroh. It is so. This book is Iroh writing to Zuko, um, kind of before he dies, which is it. Mm. It does lay a, a pretty good uh, background on this book, which makes it even more interesting. But he kind of covers things that we already kind of know about him. Um, I'll go into more detail in the video, maybe on the on like the top ten uh, most interesting facts from this book. But overall, I don't think it's a must buy, but I do think it's better than the previous one, uh, which was. <laughs> Avatar Legacy, which was Tenzin writing to, uh, writing, I'm sorry, it was Aang writing to Tenzin. And I think I haven't had a chance to fully read um, the next one, which was Korra. I forgot what that one was called, but it's in a similar fashion. It's Korra kind of writing to the next Avatar. Um, this book seemed uh, kind of better than that, but it provides a little bit more context. This book provides a little more context on Iroh and I think some of his relationships with his with his brother. Uh, Ozai and his father, but it doesn't dive deep enough as I wanted it to. Um, so it was a good buy for me, but I don't think it's a must. I don't think it's a must-have for everybody. But I wish really great artwork. A ton about his son, like that would have been that would have been cool. But maybe they just. I mean, his son presumably died very young, like probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Son died on his siege in at Ba Sing Se, yeah. but she mentions his son a lot. Um, Do we know uh, what's, what's his name? Oh, his name is um, Luten. Oh, Luten. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, sad. Sad, sad. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. I would still. Uh, I have it on my on my to do list. I don't know where I need to fit it in with with comics in between series, uh, but I would like to read both of them. I think. Uh, I've actually kind of been in a book mood, which is a weird thing for me to say because I'm yeah. not always a book person. Don't make me read words. But no, <laughs> I I do. I'm in a reading mood lately, and I'm interested in borrowing and reading both in the near future, I think. And it's not a long read. I read it in like an hour and 30 minutes with kids distracting me. So, <laughs> No, kids don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That seems like a fair record. Just shut up. I'm trying to read out. Read it to them, you know. Read it to them. She wanted me to, but I don't I don't I don't like doing that. Because I just want to read things in Iroh's voice. I don't want to read it in my own voice. Oh, Chris, she would love your Iroh voice though. You gotta do that. <laughs> she will eat it up. But I don't know, I actually I don't know if I ever heard you do an Iroh voice. You probably have to try it sometime and let me judge. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine <laughs> enough, I guess. <laughs> I, was, I was more focused on enjoying it from my own self. I'll, I read her a lot of stuff at night, so it could be added to the list. Lately, we've been reading DC villains out of my DC encyclopedia. Oh. So that's coming into, <laughs> into ah. use. Nice. <laughs> Great children <laughs> material. DC <laughs> villains. Showing them all the stuff. Sorry, what'd you say, Jim? No, that's great. Uh, that's great kid material. Read to right before bedtime. Tell them about DC villains. Yeah. <laughs> she really loves. She really wants to hear about villains. She's like, I want to hear about a villain who got hurt by chemicals. I'm like, why chemicals all the time? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, that's so <laughs> weird. Whatever inspires their little minds. I don't know why it does sometimes, but whatever that is. Like some of these things aren't for kids. It's like, oh yeah, this person assaulted this other person. And like when I'm reading it, I 
purposely skip over things, but I just keep going. Someday she's going to read the full thing. She's going to be like, the missing texts. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he never told me about this before. Well, with that recommendation or light, light recommendation, Chris, thank you for the review. And I think let's go ahead and go over to the episode. The very entertaining episode that I'm not saying begrudgingly. And it is <laughs> the the beach. And we'll probably just do kind of normal. Let Chris sort of take us through the step-by-step. And then we'll all three go through our ratings. And then at that point, I think we can have our, our let's call it like a miniature debate with the ratings, I think. Might okay. be the better spot for it. Yeah. So, Chris, if you'd care to walk us through the happenings. All right. We are on Ember Island team. You know, they don't have a team name like Team Avatar has. Do they? I don't know. know. I guess they're Team team Familial Treachery? Team Fire Nation? (laughs) Team Fire Nation. I don't know. I guess they're Team Rich Kids. Team Rich Kids. (laughs) Yeah, Team Rich Kids. That's what they are. Team Avatar and Team Rich Kids, and you can tell right away which uh, one of those uh, is going to be the bad, the bad people for sure. Uh, uh, okay, so Ozai, their father, is sending them off on a forced vacation, so he has time to, I don't know, talk with the other his counselors and, and advisors and stuff. Um, and Zuko's all down about it and everything, and they end up on Ember Island, which they used to go there when they were kids zuko and azula and there's just a lot of memories there it's a really interesting place um and this episode is this episode is really interesting because it kind of came out of nowhere i listened to the commentary on this one like i said i watched i told you guys i watched this episode twice I watched it once just straight through and once with commentary um and like in between season two and season three they went on like a writer's retreat <laughs> or something nice. which is really yeah it's really interesting like yeah we went out on a, on a writer's retreat <laughs> i guess yeah. maybe that just really jogs the mind and stuff and uh and this whole episode really came from brian canisco he had all these drawings of of team rich kids um <laughs> like in <laughs> like in different like bathing suits and stuff yeah and so i was like oh yeah well they're on the beach oh we should have an episode just about them like on the beach, like it'll be interesting. Like they'll, their, their story will be the A plot and Team Avatar's story will be the B plot, which right. doesn't happen ever right? at all, really. Uh, so that was just really interesting. Um, but yeah, so Team Avatar, not Team Avatar, uh, <laughs> Team Rich Kids. Team Rich Kids. They, uh, Sorry, if, you, if you're a wealthy person, we're not trying to comment on, on your morals or ethics. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to scare our rich viewers away. That's it was. I was simply stating a fact. That's right. Just observation. If you're a person, That's please uh, donate to our Patreon. We don't have one, but we will make one <laughs> if you want to give us money. Team Rich Kids, you, right? We will stop we calling it Team Rich that. Kids if you give us money. It's just observation. That's all it is. Um, but all, I, I found all that really interesting. I, I just find that they're dynamic between Azula and Zuko. Interesting. This is a very good sibling episode to where it's not combative at all. It's just them sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it starts off really much in the vein of that. Mm-hmm. Someone can chime in. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, um, that is interesting that they, that this idea came from the retreat because it does it feels like a retreat of its own from the rest of the plot. And like you said, uh, their plot is the A plot and Team Avatar is the B plot, which never happens. Which I think as a kid when I was watching, um, being like, you know, like. Even when I was really young, I've like studied the structure of television, and I remember being like, "That's super interesting. Like, this this is really different." And just the fact that these writers care about these characters enough that they're like, "Hey, they're not just villains. Like, they're actual. You know, they have backgrounds, they have stories, they have, you know, what what happens while Team Avatar is away, you know, or in hiding. Like, what are all these? What are these other?" Um, antagonist doing and again like as like the more that i rewatch it um the more i recognize zuko not as an antagonist but as a, one of the protagonists um and so it, it kind of makes sense now that he like this episode and it's because i mean ultimately it's always going to be like more about zuko than the others but i think it makes sense but it's, it's just it's really cool it's a really cool structural deviation and i love when they do this because they do it a handful of times and that's what makes them really special yeah um on to oh and then they're also they throw in a lot of comedy in, in this episode yeah. so mm -hmm. weird comedy with the old twin sister ladies <laughs> and they're uh yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I watched the episode like 20 minutes before we started talking. <laughs> so it was like very fresh in my mind. And there, and it's very like, it reminded me more of some of the anime that I, you know, grown up watching more than like some of the other episodes. Like, yeah, the old twin yeah. ladies kind of feel yeah. like kind of fit some of that trope, I think. Yeah, it definitely like leaned in a little bit more to the lighthearted anime comedy and the uh, stylization as well um there were it's very like it's a teen drama episode so a lot of the humor was like a little bit aged up for the show which was interesting so yeah <laughs> for mm -hmm. sure so then so they go down to the beach and they all kind of go off and do their own things Mai and Zuko have like a, a terrible relationship. Like this is what they do for fun. It's just sulking and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And this was wasn't this relationship that we all sunk. I thought. I think. I think so. I think we were all pretty unhappy. Yeah, I remember specifically when we were talking about the shipping episode. I thought about this episode so much. I was like, yeah. Oh, this it's not, it's not that we. It's not that we're saying they can't be together like in this time as young people grow up and they want to like date and stuff. But I think as far as any amount of long-term interest or prospects, we were all pretty heavy to like sink it. Yeah. And I made I stand by that. I stand by it. Sorry, <laughs> Jamie. By the way, that was a really uh, well-liked episode. So thanks, uh, thanks in hindsight. It's very entertaining. I do that. That's yeah, excellent. That's great. <laughs> Ty Lee, yeah, and then uh, Ty Lee is sitting on the beach minding her own business, and she is uh, immediately attracts the attention of several young men. Yeah. So, like, we talked about Ty Lee a lot in, in our shipping thing mm -hmm. and how, how she could possibly be uh, bisexual, and for some reason, I just buy into that even, even more after watching this episode, which we'll get more in, into uh, some of her and Azula moments. 
uh, later. But I don't know if just her physical traits of being like very flexible makes me just uh, kind of project that <laughs> onto her. <laughs> but <laughs> very well. <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, but, we're just uh, we're just guessing. We're just we're, it's yeah. all projecting, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, I I think it, this dynamic is interesting. Again, like a lot of the humor, a lot of the topics that are covered in this episode are aged up from the general yeah. audience of the series. Um, and this is like kind of one that comes forward that she gets a lot of attention from um, the guys. And there is some a little bit of jealousy from Azula mm. there. And they it's mm. kind of hinted that it's Azula jealous of the attention, but it could be read other ways. Um, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And Azula, it's interesting. I think now Azula feels like she is, um, she's she's out of her element, right? Um, it was really interesting in commentary because they mentioned that Azula is like the most perfect person. She's the most manipulative person. Uh, you know, she's always thinking ahead. But those traits does not translate at all over into social life. Right. <laughs> so she's like failing at at this. Um, yeah. And so like the the first thing she does at the beach is she goes. And grabs up Team Rich Kids to go on the sporting event, <laughs> so they can you know, dominate something physically. It's so Azula. Yeah. Okay, can't stop no, laughing at Team Rich Kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do dominate, but I think that's a great point, Chris. That mm. that she is so out of her element that she has to go find something that kind of puts her back into her element, and that's something competitive and potentially aggressive. Um, yeah. Though it's it's about yeah, okay, I also yeah can't a little bit biased with this episode because there is a volleyball ish type thing going on here, like not exactly this, volleyball. This sure scene, I've said it before at some point on this podcast, and I don't remember when. This scene is the baseball scene from Twilight, and I oh. hate it. I hate it. It's garbage. <laughs> no, it's garbage. It's like hey, let's have the kids do the sportsing. I'm a sports fan. I have no need for sports in I these kinds of shows and movies. I cannot believe that you are even saying that right I now. despise that it. Iconic when, scene. Hey, that is cinematic history right there. My wife never watches this podcast. She loves us. She doesn't watch this podcast ever. So I'm willing to say this here and don't ever tell her. But when we first watched Twilight together and I had no idea what it was, she was like, hey, you know, I don't think you'll like it. Uh, but there's a scene or two in there that I think will interest you. Turns out one of those scenes she was talking about was that stupid baseball scene. And I make fun of her probably annually at least once for having said that in her naive youth. Uh, but don't ever bring that up around her because it's kind of a source of <laughs> You know what? I, I, I love this scene. Oh. <laughs> well, because one thing... I think it works more so here than Twilight. I don't think the comparison is that well because in Avatar, their sports, pretty much all their sports are formed around bending, mm -hmm. right? It's formed around using using everything to your advantage. Like, you know, like in the sport that Aang used with the air ball, like in pro bending. So to me, it's, it's very applicable here and they take full advantage of it. Um, I love seeing Azula just like just through seeing her move that the other girl with the pigtails move a couple of times Azula can decipher that oh she has the injury <laughs> probably let's focus on this side of the ball 
And then it's, they like completely. That's like a, a null point because they just destroy the whole thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. It's clever. I think it's like a very clever. It's it's short and sweet, and it does its job in this episode. Like I <laughs> love the little volleyball scene thing, and and plus you get that sweet moment where Zuko like whips off his like cape or something, and you get like the. <laughs> that iconic gift that I use on Twitter like every other day. <laughs> oh, Sean. Okay, you know what? That's high marks yeah. in this podcast. And then, and then I do love in where Zula, Zula, she she takes up a notch so much in in random moments in this episode. You know that moment where she like strikes down the ball, fire bends it all freaking leaves a freaking crater in the sand and then the, the net is burning she's like now you have lived with your shame and everything and then the intensity just stops and she's like all right that was fun and they yeah. go that's the part that i like is like her bad trash talk at the end that's really like if of that scene that part is the part that i do enjoy the most like it's comedy but it's not meant to be funny to her i guess like it's not soccer right. comedy it's sort of a uh, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, she's just so disconnected from reality. Yeah. And so it, I'll give you that part. I do like that little bit of dialogue there at the end. It's so telling. But, yeah, like it's supposed to be funny, and it's like this like weird little moment, but it's also like it's so important to the larger arc of her character, and especially what we see happens to her in the second half of season three. So yeah. I think it adds levity to the whole scene that I, you know, part of the thing with me is it always feels like it's trying really hard to be cool. So I need that little bit at the end to like, no, Sean, you don't have to take this like quite so serious. It's just a game. (laughs) I I will say this. I went into this episode, this rewatch being like, Oh, you know what? The beach isn't one of my favorite episodes. Um, I was probably more in line with Sean, but for some reason, this rewatch just made me enjoy it and appreciate it a lot more. Um, also, I think this episode does a really good job of of showing that Zuko and Zula are not normal kids at, at all. <laughs> like, they don't know how to act socially <laughs> yeah. because they weren't raised that way. Um, which, to segue into the next part of this of the story, uh, Chan, Zula's uh, mm-hmm. her, her favorite man. Basically, Chad um, of the Avatar world. Yeah, Chad. 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 <laughs> sorry, Chads. I'm just kidding. Chads and rich kids. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we, I mean, what percent of what, what percent of Chads are rich? Oh I man, probably all of them. Of probably Chads all of them. Than Chris's. <laughs> Definitely Sean's. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that that analysis and that analyst in me wants to do the analysis on that, but I, there's no way. No, I kind of do. Yeah. yeah. I even think that different ways that you would spell different names would would lead to different different results. But yeah, another yeah. day, another day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they invite them to their party, and what they is, I just find this so hilarious that they're like, "Oh yeah, some of the most important teams from the Fire Nation are going to be there." Yeah. <laughs> this writing and, is so clever. It's just it's really. I feel like every line hits exactly what it needs to and some of them are like super cheesy and teen drama like because like that's the tone that they're going for and it's just really clever yeah, yeah. and this episode was written by katie matilla she um she wrote she hasn't written 
she has she didn't write many episodes in Avatar. Um, she Avatar Ezra's writer. Oh, that's interesting. Anyway, she wrote she did write uh, the Tale of Zuko, and the Tale of Ba Sing Se. Wow. I think, I think that is the... Chris, are you reading off the episodes she wrote, or are you just reading a list of my least favorite episodes? Yeah. What do you got over there? Yeah, I need to be her friend because they're all my favorite episodes. I I, I don't want to, to diss her at all because obviously she's very talented, uh, but I do... I will point out something later, I think, that contributes to my dislike of, of all three. Hmm. Okay, interesting. That's not her, because again, I don't want to... She she's she's probably amazing and obviously she's very talented. Yeah. <laughs> she wrote uh, Old Wounds, The Calling, and Remembrances. I don't Old Wounds is good. Wounds. Which ones? Are Old Wounds. Old I Wounds is an episode of. Uh, I will have to take note of that on the rewatch, um, to see how I react to those episodes and if I if I react to them differently. They like hook you in yeah. the same way that these previous ones have. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Or if there's some sort of like pattern to. The, the her writing style or the themes that she talks about or something like that. I'll have to pay attention to that on the rewatch. That's a very yeah. tangible old, thing you know what? for Chris to wrap his it's analytical pretty interesting mind Old Wounds is a lot about, uh, it's about Su Yin and Lin Beifong's mm-hmm. uh, relationship and how that all faltered, like goes in the flashbacks them being the daughters of Toph. Um, the Calling was a fairly, wasn't a huge episode. And Remembrance is, is not a great episode, but it's there's a reason that it's not a great episode. It's a, it's a um, uh, what do they call those episodes where they, re- recap episode. Oh. <laughs> what are they called? Um, like but, a, yeah, like a, but I can't think of the word, but but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but in Legend of Korra though, that episode was like they had to take the money out of that episode hmm. uh, because they would have had to like fire some people and they didn't want to do that, and so they're like, fine, we'll just like reuse footage from other um, mm-hmm. episodes. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to see the type of episodes that she writes. She doesn't write a lot of them, uh, but she's written a lot of, I think, sibling, you know, sibling right. kind well, of episodes. Well, it definitely sounds like, at least for, at least for Avatar, I can't, I can't say for Legend of Korra, but it definitely sounds like she was kind of their go-to if they had an episode of this style that's, you know, pulled away from their A story that maybe yeah. is a little bit more character driven. Jamie, you Which is just really interesting okay, for, there you go. Yeah, uh, as someone who's interested in television writing and structure and stuff like that, it's interesting to see how those episodes happen mm-hmm. and where we fall on them. And I, re- I really, I guess I really just, I like Zuko and I like his story. <laughs> so, like, that's also it. But I think what these episodes do are just, I think they're so clever. And this one especially, I really like. All right, uh, Sean, you got anything to elaborate on? Anything else? I, I mean, I'll go through the episode. Just I am 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 tolerant of of creators of my favorite shows <laughs> trying new things. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the thing about Chan, Chan's party is they show up right. They show up on at on that. time. Oh yeah, that is yes. pretty funny. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yes. Azula says. Azula says. You said you'll be partying. The invitation said we'll be partying from dusk till, till dawn. It is dusk. <laughs> that, and I think that's like, you have to think like, they're like the royal family, right? Like, they're not late for things. And they were probably like very punctual. And 
yeah, yeah, they're definitely not regular kids. Yeah. Don't know how to uh, party. Uh, yeah, interesting thing about the party is that <laughs> they bring up in the commentary that uh, that there's no dancing at this party because because yeah. the Fire Nation kids don't dance. Aang's oh, right. like dancing thing hasn't right. hasn't gotten to them yet. Right, that's so clever. I didn't even think about that. I thought they just like didn't have. Oh my gosh! But you're so right because they that was the whole thing with Aang in the school. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's so clever. See, it's like little tiny details like that that I just love. Yeah. Be sure to tweet that out. I don't want people to steal that nice info. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, um, and then, so they're at Chan's party. Zuko's being really a jerk, which I don't. This is one thing I don't like about this, but it's reasonable because Zuko doesn't know how to socialize with people. Mm -hmm. um, he's being a jerk, and and he's thinking of May more in a sense of like an object, really, yeah, of like I, I need to be this. Yeah. Well, okay. Continue with your your thought. Oh no, that's good. Um. And uh, pretty much he he uh, he pushes the other guy. I forgot his name, but also I really love the push he gives him because it's one of those like it reminds me of that five finger death thing and 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 uh, Kill Bill too, <laughs> like <laughs> to where that's where like you don't move. It's not like a huge wind up push. It's just like all I need is this confined amount of space to right. push you five feet back yeah. <laughs> 10 feet back um they also do that same move in legend of Korra when Korra is searching for rava inside of latu does this like same like push on the chest thing also now that reminds me i think in dr strange she did anyway not important <laughs> it's a very popular move amongst it's a very, a very popular move. it looks impactful and very yeah. acute it looks very just precise. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like on the point of Zuko being just uh, a jerk. annoying at this party, yeah, I get like it is interesting because he's like immediately jealous of whatever this guy. I mean, yeah, the, the the kid didn't even do anything; he didn't say anything, and Zuko's like immediately jealous, and and then Zuko's just mm -hmm. just being difficult <laughs> the entire time. Um, and I think it's just it's again, it's really telling of. First of all, just this I don't like their this Zuko my thing. It just it's proof that there's it's kind of very shallow at this point. Like I've said previously, they kinda try to redeem it a little bit in the comics. But it's so shallow at this point, like they're just doing it because it's convenient, it's easy, and there's no trust or communication between them, so that's like annoying. But also, like, Zuko, as he says later, is not happy in this situation and in his just the whole situation of his life right now. And I think that it's just him being like, I'm supposed to be enjoying this. Or he's, like, trying to do what he thinks you're supposed to do in those situations. And he's just not comfortable in them and he's not good at it. And it's just kind of coming out terribly. <laughs> like, no. he doesn't know how to deal with any any of this and Zuko in particular is not handling it well which per usual he doesn't he doesn't handle a lot of things well <laughs> like there's few things he handles well but he figures it out by the end he's, he's not a, he's not a coper no really. not really no 
yeah, he's just angry and very angry and in this episode in particular. We'll get to that as, as it goes on. I feel like Sean is just like, he doesn't want to talk at all because he doesn't have much good things to say. Uh, He's yeah, like, I, the worst. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that you guys are at least pointing out, like, of the things that I enjoy in the episode and I may not think about. Like, if I'm watching the episode and I see those things, I'm like, haha, that's funny. But I don't think about it later. Uh, but it seems like you guys are picking those things out. So I am grateful for <laughs> your details because it is helping me enjoy the episode more retroactively. <laughs> Well, uh, also the party, yeah, also at the party, Tylee is uh, getting uh, somewhat harassed by all these men or boys that are just falling in love with her. Bunch of douchebags, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, I like you all, and then one guy's like, Who do you like? like, <laughs> like... So weird. Um, then she says she can't decide, then she just she blocks them all, <laughs> and she just cartwheels no, away. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a funny scene. <laughs> and then, and her and Azula's uh, interaction. Azula just like it's so interesting because Azula knows that Tylee is better at her than uh, at at being with men, and being with boys, and being mm-hmm. uh, attracted attracted to him. And she immediately chops Tylee down, saying they're only like that because you make it too easy for them. And then Tylee cries about it. Like, it reminds me so much of the flashback of when they were all kids and the episode Zuko alone. Yes. And Tylee does like a cartwheel. Azula tries to do it and she doesn't do it. And then Tylee does it, she does it, and Azula just pushes her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like Azula can never accept that someone is better at her at something, even something so trivial as, as men. Uh, throwing themselves at her um, yeah and then azula azula does apologize to her um this, this is a really great tylee azula moment i think um and azula says like oh you know i'm not good around boys and men because i think they always think i'm going to attack them or something um mm-hmm. and then oh wait and then i love tylee saying like but Azula, you're like the smartest, prettiest, most perfect girl I know. Yeah. And so that's that's the side that if you look a lot into it, you might be like, oh, well, this Tylee, does she feel about Azula a certain way? Because those are like high accolades. Like, I don't talk about mm-hmm. anybody like, <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. Except my wife. So. I was going to say, I tell my wife that all the time. It's just, yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting, the whole dynamic, I think it's interesting. I, I, I think it's great that we pointed out that this episode was written by a woman because I think that there is kind of like a nuance to that situation where Azula has to first like cut down Tylee and say, oh, well, you just, you make it easy for them, Um, which is, you know, especially like in high school, especially that age, just that is what happens. You know, you get people it kind of brings out the worst in people and they go for like the really easy attacks especially like verbal attacks and i think like tylee like handles it super well and i think that's like it's great because you can actually see how much more mature tylee is in that moment than azula and again how how far removed azula is from being able to communicate with others in any kind of meaningful way um but then it's also nice that there is that very quick reversal and Azula 
kind of opens up to the idea of letting somebody help her in any capacity. Yeah. We'll see. And then, well, it turns out <laughs> a little bit. So, yeah. We'll see if it works out, but. <laughs> she, so then she uses that advice she gives her about, like, laughing at guys' jokes and stuff, <laughs> which, which probably does work, honestly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, worked on me. I don't know. Yes, I have had all that much luck, but. <laughs> anyway. Um, and she uses it on Chan. She does. She does a much better job this time for for a short period of time. Um, I don't know where my I don't know where my face went, but <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> But she does a uh, uh, there we go. Uh, but she does a pretty good job there for a second for a time talking to Chan or Chad, whatever his name is, and uh, <laughs> and and uh, and they kiss, and then she takes it way too far. <laughs> it's like yeah. we would be the most dominant couple ever, and like yeah. she bends, and the fire behind her turns blue also, and like his reaction to it is so comical, like. He's just like, holy crap, this girl is crazy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's funny. Um, yeah, well, for one, again, this is one of those moments that there's so many in this episode that are dual, like, it's really funny on the surface, and it's, like, really sad when you think about it. Because it's like, well, she's probably reacting that way because, all right, so she got to kiss this boy, got that far, great. That's like... <laughs> In the Fire Nation, like, they're not really married, like, they're marrying for political gain. And that has been, yeah. especially, like, in her role as the princess. They're, like, they're not thinking about marrying for actual reasons, which is kind of another reason why Zuko and Mai's relationship is so shallow. Uh, besides the fact that they're, like, children. But, like, aside from that. Um, but, like, it's kind of their families. And it's money and it's power and it's wealth and it's status. And that's kind of what it is more about. So to Azula, it's just like another like thing to conquer. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, and at that other on the other side of this, um, Zuko got kicked out of the party, and <laughs> I and this is the this is the moment episode that really elevated it for me. Um, in the commentary, Brian says like this is one of his favorite scenes in the entire show. It's just Zuko walking on the beach, walking up to the Ember Island house and just remembering things. Jeremy Zuckerman's score comes in and it is honestly beautiful, yet just subtle and also just sad. Like you you get a huge, you really get into the mind of Zuko mm -hmm. and there's not a word said for maybe like two minutes. It's just all music and visuals informing mm -hmm. you of the story. Um, I think they do such a good job of it, just a, a beautiful job. And then even uh, after he's sulking there for a minute, Azula leaves the party. She catches up with him. She's like, "Why are you?" Pretty much like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> essentially. And she does seem like a somewhat concerned sister. That's one which I think is a really great sibling episode for those two. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, yeah. So, uh, you have anything to? You guys have anything to uh, expound about on that point? Um, yeah, really, just that it kind of it shows not only like what he remembers and the the quote unquote good times that he had 
at one point while he was a kid there, but also just like what he lost and what he was never able to have because that's like it's those memories are so few and far between for him and he says that he they feel like so long ago they're so distant and you know so much has happened to him since those um memories and i also think um that thinking about abusive relationships with a like a parental figure or you know someone anybody that's in a position of power over a child I think it's like hard to think about those happy moments that you might have with that person and also still be reminded of abuse that they faced. So yeah, it's a really powerful moment and (coughs) the score is really beautiful and there's just a lot going on and they don't even have to say anything about it, which is a, a testament to their storytelling power. Sean? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just thinking about how I wish I had like a lap table that fit perfectly over my office chair. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you were. Uh, <laughs> extremely deep discussion. I. It is nice to see the connection between Zuko's memories of... Uh, it's not like the closest resemblance that we probably ever get to the normal-ish parts of his childhood. Versus mm-hmm. now the opportunity to have like a normal teen moment, I kind of like that parallel there. Mm-hmm. That's all. And I got. the visuals there, the visuals are really good. Uh, I mean, there's one of Iroh holding Zuko as a baby with Luten on the other side. Yeah, it's, it's one cool. of the saddest Cry. images. Yeah, cries forever. Chris, don't make me feel yeah. feelings. Come on. <laughs> um. All right, so they go, they have a nice chat on the beach. Not really a nice chat. Uh, kind of heated. So Zuko's broken up with May, <laughs> and they pretty much get in a huge argument with each other. They do the whole breakfast club thing, which it's they know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, and the the point in this some some points in this discussion are aren't that great. I think not not a lot of them, just a few points. The point that wasn't that great was was Tylee saying like guys we shouldn't be talking like this like it's gonna make us mad and and our faces aren't gonna are gonna <laughs> yeah. break out and something well, that was kind of dumb but at least it was a good segue into into Zuko right. statement of like normal kids worry about their face which is true in high school you you know how much I worried about the pimples on my face <laughs> um uh and yeah he says like normal kids worry about their face like. I don't have that luxury. Well, don't you yeah. I think that writing is, is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. My father decided to teach me a, a, le- a permanent lesson on my face. Like, and the way he delivers this line, I think it was really good. Like it's full of so much mm-hmm. conviction and, and so much like he still feels shame and that like, no, no matter what, he's going to feel that shame. Mm-hmm. Even if he's back in the fire nation, even if his father still welcomed him, he still walk around with the, reminder every single day when he looks in the mirror of that shame mm-hmm. yeah i i um one reason that this is a very memorable episode for me too is that line that he says like, i don't have that luxury it's a really powerful line um and just talking about i think it really encapsulates what zuko is feeling um even yeah in a response to something pretty dumb that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this like little airing of grievances is a great scene. I think they all make pretty strong points. Um, 
I mean, aside, aside from that, but that was like almost joking. But um, I think, yeah, they're kind of like hitting the nail on the head. And I think about like maybe to older like viewers, you're like, oh, that seems like maybe it's a little bit too on the nose. Like they're they're too specific about what their problems are. But then you think, but then you know, I was watching this episode and I was like, kids are watching this, and these are like really insightful emotional issues that they're talking about yeah. and i just i think it's like really interesting that the writers were like hey let's just put it all out there like we know kids are going to be our audience but we're not going to shy away from these specific things these topics that they're talking about you know it is really interesting they they decided to add more layers to these villains and a fairly small moments um tylee's like oh she grew up like zuka calls her circus freak at one point which is a really like terrible uh yeah. thing to say like circus yeah. freak <laughs> low blow man no, I'm, uh, very very low blow uh, but she's like you know i'm proud to be a circus freak i came from a home of of all these girls who look like me her twin sisters um her story's not as and maybe yeah. i just don't relate to that as much it's not as compelling as everyone else's stories but it's still there's, there's still an underlying story there of finding your identity being lost in the shuffle Right. Um, yes, I wonder if that's because you don't have brothers, correct? You have sisters. I have, yeah, I have four sisters, so I, I stand. Uh -huh. well, I, well, I was going to say, I, like, I understand. I get Tylee. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. Uh, it's not that I like her story, you know, but in the way that Jamie said, it might be more of an age thing of me being like, oh, just stupid kids having stupid kid problems. Uh, mm -hmm. But I did like Tylee in the sense, like, yeah, I got three, I got three brothers, and we all look and act pretty different. But you know, it's a, it was it was kind of relatable to me, and so that's yeah. probably the only Sean, reason yeah, that maybe FYI, that one Sean's doesn't older hook. brother can dunk, and Sean can't. <laughs> I <laughs> funny <laughs> funny story about I cannot even touch the rim, Chris. Funny story to tell you uh, off off the air. It's not that it's inappropriate. It's just not Very not specific. worth public yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, funny enough, I weirdly enough, May a character who I don't really like i probably related her story most like about you know her being like oh if i acted out like my parents um you know quickly flashed out at me like i think about and also man we're getting way deeper into this anthology with this like i think about how um like how i reacted growing up to like my parents and stuff like it was it was always like a you know speak when maybe not speak when spoken to but you never spoke out of turn right i never raised my voice against my parents because i never whatever my parents told me to do i most of the time i did it like sure i got in trouble but i didn't get in trouble because i wasn't because i just disregarded something my parents said because mm -hmm. uh, my father was pretty hard on us like he whooped us and, and stuff which which i'm fine with him you know whooping it nowadays that's you know type of whoopings they gave us would be um it'll definitely be abuse like no doubt about it um but i think about my own daughter like my own daughter talks back sometimes yeah. i think to myself like i never talked back to my parents and she's not purposely talking back to me but right i would have if, if i told my daughter my dad told me to do something growing up i did it pretty immediately mm -hmm. if i tell my daughter to do something it takes her a while sometimes i do i'm like i haven't instilled a, that huge sense of fear into her that my dad instilled into me <laughs> which is <laughs> which is yeah like it's a it's a it's a balance right it's like mm -hmm. i don't i don't want to do that because um, mm -hmm. I, I don't want my daughter i mean i might have spanked her every now and then but that's really those those times because i need her to do something that's really for her own safety at that point in time like hey right. don't stick that in there stop that 
like spanking that's fine um <laughs> but so so the balance so i in a way like also I'm, I'm one of those people who who don't speak up right i don't um it's not that i don't speak up it's just that i am very deliberate in what i'm saying and so usually i go through in my head first i tend to think a lot before i talk and i feel like my daughter's not the way but i feel like i am that way because um so because the way I was raised, right? Everything coming out of my voice, I like to have some meaning to it. I'm not gonna just say stuff for no reason. And so in a weird way, I relate way more to May than I think any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think like what's interesting about her story specifically, or well, I, I think what the writing does here that's really great is they get to get, they all go around and they all say, oh, basically here's why I am the way that I am and here's why I'm messed up and you know, <laughs> Um, and so if I'm if I'm Tylee and Chris is May, who does that make Jamie? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I who hmm. I mean, I think I can understand. I like I like all their arguments a lot. I think they all make sense. But to me, what's more interesting is the comment that May makes about she she's directing it towards Zuko, and she says, "That's great. Doesn't give you an excuse to behave the way that you're behaving now." And I think yes. that what this conversation this this whole talk and this is like such a big kind of um praise to the writers and to the creators who really decided to put this in there because they did not have to yeah I yeah, think- yeah. Uh, good job pointing that out brian canesco in the com in the commentary said mm-hmm. that exact same thing is like and that statement from may is is really vital like just because yeah like it's, it's really sad that bad things happen to you but you can get over that that's not the excuse you should set for yourself for the reason that you are that you are right and it's and it's like a personal choice that you kind of like have to make every single day and this just all comes down to the larger theme not only of zuko's arc zuko's story but of the whole show you know about forgiveness about what has happened to you think about katara's story too like how so much has happened to her and she ultimately has to make a choice about how she is going to react uh, in later the um, the uh, ep- the Southern Raiders. Is that what that episode is called? The Southern yes. Raiders. That she goes. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. There's uh, when Aang has to decide what he's going to do with the Fire Lord. Like all of these things kind of come back to this idea of like, yes, a lot has you've been through trauma. How are you going to react to that trauma? And this is coming out in this very you know almost silly kind of talk amongst teenagers and i think it's just so brilliant it's such a brilliant addition to this story right now and it's such strong writing that they're able to do this so seamlessly so in the in the interest of time unless you guys have uh additional points i would like to try to push us forward just because i know that we will have some sort of fun uh fun dialogue when it comes to ratings and i want to make sure that we don't feel like we have to rush to that uh, all right, yeah, so it all ends, and they all happy-go-lucky. Azula does say give her quick sap story, which one thing I don't buy into. Um, I think her perception of her mom is that her mom didn't love her, but that's really just Azula's reflection of herself. Because right. her mom did clearly love her. Right. Um, if you know, and, and if you read the search, like plenty of times, and she's you know when she tries to leave Ozai, she says like, "Oh, I'm taking the kids." She yeah. says both kids, and now it's just like I'm just taking Zuko. He's like, "No." when she kisses them goodbye, she kisses Zuko goodbye. Yeah. You see that in the show, uh, but you don't see in the show that she also kisses Azula goodbye. So, and to me, I think some people um, use that 
to justify Azula's actions even more. Like they take Azula's words to justify against right. her mom as if that's actually what her mom felt about her, which I completely right. That's a disagree. good point. Yeah. And also like what Azula does in that moment is she's try she tries to kind of act like she's above kind of feeling anger in that situation. She's like, oh, well, it was true, which is like true. And that's just how we have to deal with it. But actually, I think this is just like, this is her holding in her unraveling until we see it later yeah. down the line, which is it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it does plant some seeds. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then Combustion Man stuff, so that ends their plot, the A plot, which villains usually don't have the A plot, but on the B plot, pretty much just simply to wrap up, Zuko, the assassin that he sent after Team Avatar. Um, this is the first time we've seen Combustion Bending. At this point, I think he's just called Sparky Sparky. No, they didn't give him a name in this episode. I think Sparky it's the other way around. Name. I think in this episode, he's Combustion Man, and then in the future... Oh, no, his, his, no, his final name is Combustion Man. Yeah. So in this one, he doesn't have a name at all. him okay. a name in this one. I think in the beginning gotcha. of the Runaway episode, Sokka calls him Sparky Sparky Boom Man. And then by the end of it, he calls him Combustion Man. You're right. In um, this one, he's still a nameless kind of entity, yeah. at least to but Team was, Avatar. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much Combustion Man's chasing him, and they get away from him. And that's pretty much their story. Not much story there it's just not much hey there's assassins just what's going on with team avatar i think it, i is. think it pops up like two different times but it doesn't develop a whole lot mm -hmm. yeah but it does kind of put in like the one parallel or like the one kind of way that it does do is that zuko is talking about being really confused he's angry at himself and he doesn't know oh yeah we didn't get to that yeah no, yeah uh, <laughs> oh yeah but it is interesting that, like, oh, yeah, here's also this reminder that he sent an assassin after the, the group of kids. And also the fact that this group of kids could fight off this assassin is just really impressive. The fight that um, Combustion Man has with Aang is actually, like, it's not really a fight because, I mean, Aang is mostly, like, evading. But it's a it's chase. Cool. A chase scene. Yeah. Still cool. Still cool. Aang is so great. That's what I get from these rewatches. I'm, like... Wow, Aang is so powerful and so smart. And like, where? Why was I not a fan when I was younger? I was just like, I thought he was boring. I was so wrong. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to that's pretty much the episode. Let's get to the ratings. So and in oh, advance, wait, what? in advance, I kind of forget which order I put the ratings in. It doesn't really matter too much. But I figured matter. if you guys were amenable to the idea that we would each give our rating kind of in standard fashion, but then at the end, uh, we would uh, get a little, little like, head-to-head -head opportunity if we need to. If we need to. Maybe we'll all be in exact agreement. But, <laughs> no, we won't, Sean. But for, for, uh, just for reference, I don't remember whose comes first. I think Chris's. Okay, Chris, yes. do you care right. to give your ratings first? Which So usually I give Sean my rating scores earlier in the day, but this time I wanted to surprise him because I surprised myself with these ratings. Um, so audio visual, it's getting a nine out of 10. Wow. wow. Okay. That's yeah. really got you. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> mostly because of that one scene with Zuko, like I mentioned before, so much mm -hmm. amazing storytelling. Also the, like the literal audio of combustion man's bending was done really well. It's a new bidding element in that sound mitts is probably the best sound mixing that they do. And they do a really great creative sound mixing uh, with the show. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I didn't mention this before, but in that scene on the campfire, Dante Basco, I think, delivers 
some of his best work as Zuko, especially when he's, you know, talking at the end there, when he's talking about like why he's mad and and the camera cuts and everything. He's like, Are you mad at this? He's like, No, 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 no. Like yeah. the way he's talking, there's just so much like confusion in it. Um, so gave it a nine out of ten. Nice. Uh, story, I gave an eight out of ten. Uh, because really you didn't necessarily need the story. Really, I probably could have given this an eight and a half. Um, but it doesn't drive the major plot all the way along, but there is some really great character build up here. I think if I were to go back, actually, I may give that. Nope, it gets an A because I'm not going to change it now. Uh, <laughs> but just a lot of great uh, character, a lot of great moments that inform the characters here. Memorable, given an eight and a half. I think there's just some great, uh, uh, like, Azula and, and Sokka. Not Sokka, Azula. <laughs> I don't think Sokka has like one line, I think, in this. Um, some great Azula and Zuko uh, just moments, a lot of brotherly stuff here, which I think I maybe relate to most because you know, I have a bunch of sisters, right? And I kind of think about like my closest sister to me in age, not necessarily like, I mean, she is probably my closest. We grew up in the same room for like 13 <laughs> years or something. Um, but, uh, you know, we have some sometimes some of that rivalry. Um, anyway, gave memorable an eight and a half. So it brings my weight average score to an 8.4 out of 10. Nice. That's solid. Jamie, yeah. I think mine is next, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, I lied. I saved mine for last. Oh, how selfish of me. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Jamie, would you please go next? Yeah. Thanks. I didn't know how to weight yours also. You weight them however you like. I was just putting this up there for, for comedy and presumption. <laughs> close, close. Okay, fair um, I'm actually super surprised that Chris's ratings were higher than mine because I love this episode, but I didn't rate it, I think, in comparison to the other episodes I've been on because I continually just come back for the ones I really, really, really like. Um, compared to my other episodes, I feel like this one didn't rate as highly, even though I am very fond of it. Audiovisual, I actually only gave a seven, not because I didn't think it was... I, I think it's hard out of this 10-point scale, like, every... Like, yeah, I need less numbers to work with. I gave it a seven because I, well, I I, I kind of changed my mind and, and wanted to go to an eight because um, the score and actually what pushed it for me was I forgot how intricate the chase with Combustion Man was, and mm -hmm. that's and um Aang has that one sweet move that they do in slow mo, and it like gets away. That yeah, that's that's a really sweet moment. So I actually like wanted to put. It, it higher because of that which seems kind of like counterintuitive but anyway so audiovisual i'm gonna i'm gonna get, go ahead again an eight um story i also rated this as a seven not because i don't love the story but because it almost doesn't have like a, its own narrative flow the way that it's taken out of the of the structure of the rest of the show um it's kind of just it's a really um thought-provoking episode and there's it's more of like a conversation than it is like a true story um so i think if you were asked if someone were like oh like what was the plot of the beach you'd be like oh they went to the beach and like the party and that's what happened <laughs> so like story like i gave a seven um but memorability for memorable i gave a nine out of ten because i think about this episode all the time is one that comes back to me like just kind of just randomly i'm like wow remember that great episode on the beach <laughs> like, and it's also so different from the, all the other episodes 
Um, I cannot do math, so I don't know what that total is, but it's probably lower than like expected, and that's not because I don't like it. It's just like the weird way that numbers work, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, but it'd be like would that be seven and a half ish, give or take. I kind of forget the exact ones. Yeah, I feel like does not represent my feelings on this episode, but I was trying to be like very literal and fair with the numbers. You know, we call it memorable, but in my head, it's always really just that X factor. Like, why does this episode Im- impact yeah. you? So at least it feels appropriate. Yeah. In a sense, like, hey, it's really meaningful to you. You slap it really high in that category because it's when you go back to that's almost literally right. memorable. So yeah, at least that's how I abuse that category personally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so mine, I went with a <laughs> audiovisual. I gave it a seven. I will say of the three ratings, this is the one that after listening to you guys, I could see some change that uh, probably not given enough appreciation to the detail. But with a seven, because it just strikes me as kind of seven has been like our sort of average quote unquote episode yeah. of Avatar. And it does some nice things audiovisually. There is nice design, um, nice amount of detail. The score is really excellent. So it's like, all right, seven. Um, I could see that I probably missed some things and it might deserve higher, but I'll, I'll stick to my guns there. Story, and this is the big part for me, is that, uh, and the biggest point that I'll make all episode, is I hate, I hate vignettes. I hate flashback episodes. I hate, uh, like, compilation. Uh, I don't even know what else to call them. Any episode that strays away from, like, I want a beginning-to-end narrative. I want it self-contained. I don't want a lot of flashbacks. I don't want... I don't want multiple timelines. I don't want any of that nonsense. I like my stories. All in, the fun stuff. I exactly. I I hate it all, and not just in this show. In in any TV show, in any movie, I just I want to hear a story front to back without any gimmicks. I hate when when movies and things like start you out in one time period, and then it either jumps way ahead or jumps way back as like a like a like a structuring device. I despise yeah. it. Just tell me a story. In the order that it happened, in chronological order, with all the details I need to know along the way. Just tell me. That's a good story. Don't use all this gimmicks and nonsense. And then the other part is that there's barely a story here. You could contain all of the necessary information from this episode. All the things you learn, you could get basically out of like two or three minutes of that little fireside chat. You could beef that up, and you'd have every important thing out of this episode. It is It is not useful to me. I'm giving it I'm giving it a four. In my mind, if a seven is like an average avatar and a five is like average television, yeah. this is less interesting to me than the average episode of anything. Wow. The story. It is because it's not a story. There's nothing useful here. It's all it's all superfluous yeah. context. It's not a story. It's not good or interesting to me. But then on memorable, I will admit that there are enough individual pieces and parts that I like. Uh, enough neat cute things enough things that stand out to me that i'll still go back and give like an eight on on the memorable so it really just it's the style of episode that i i detest in all forms of media um i'm not just not just this show i I hate it all just give just tell me a story be good at storytelling without gimmicks Uh, um yeah i am such the opposite i mean i do i love i love give me a story that all sounds great but i'm like ooh. How can we throw in this like weird structural change or something? But that being said, I don't like gimmicks. I want it to actually have a point, and I feel like I feel like analytically. I'm lot. a huge I'm a huge fan of stand up comedy. I love stand up comedy, and my favorite stand up comics. I, it's like the same way. I don't you don't have to put on like a regular comedy sort of routine for me. You don't have to have like this sort of nice flowing show. 
as much as I, if I go to stand up comedy, I just want to hear jokes. You just be good at telling jokes. And I kind of feel the same way about, about like TV shows, like just be good at telling me a story in this episode. I hate cliffhangers. When we do these episodes, uh, like the back to back, like season finales, hour longs, like if I didn't see those originally and I had, if like, if I'd had to wait a week, it probably would have just really made me mad. I get to watch them in hindsight now. And I don't have to care, but I despise that. Just, just tell me, tell me the story. Give me some closure. I like closure, um, and that's that's my shtick. That's my my whining. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's whining. Fair enough. Comes Very down to personal good. personal good preference and without a whole lot of logic, I guess. I'm not trying to defend it by saying personal preference. Preference without logic I, I, is about all amounts I, to. I do think the story is fairly simplistic, right? You can break it down to. Uh, team rich kids go to party and they find have, out they're weird. <laughs> yeah, find out they're weird, and then they crash the party. Which we didn't mention before that they crash the party afterwards. They do. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like yeah. yeah, they destroy the house. I'm so I kind of want. I, I always like jerks to get their comeuppance, okay. like to be put in their place. Yeah, that's pretty which, good. Which they they did get. They did get their comeuppance, but they didn't get put in their place. If they got really put in their place, they would have been like, I am Princess Azula of the Fire Nation. Yeah. And bow I to me. Why didn't they? <laughs> like, that have milked that a little know. bit, you know? Yeah, what a missed like, opportunity. They should have been like, yeah, we just destroyed your house. Who cares? We are the heirs to the throne. Oh, my. Yeah. You're so right. What we, that would have been so Team Rich Kid. <laughs> like we we took bossing say us four nobody else yeah. we took bossing say you think we can't like they can literally kill yeah. everybody so <laughs> you were so right about that wow we also missed an opportunity to make a John Mulaney reference when we were talking about pushing him we didn't so we missed two important oh, yeah. things well, I'm uh, push anyway. no, push it okay um, sorry uh, um. I forgot what my point was going to be. Sorry, but, my bad. No, it's fine. Puppets. Um, like crap. Okay, so story, story is important. There's no huge story here, but what I think what great filler episodes do is that it doesn't necessarily push the story narrative forward of the overarching story, but it informs the characters Definitely. even more. Mm-hmm. And I think they did that with all four of these characters yeah, um, that we're with. And but before May was just Bloomy Girl, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that would have been enough. That would have been enough yeah. just to be the the Daria like character. <laughs> Didn't you have implied that her? I mean, that her family, given the positions that yeah. we've seen them in previously, though, like, did you really need her to say that, or could you have just been I, like, I did. Oh, I she's boring. I would have implied. I would have implied that. I just would have implied that she's bored, and that's why she's like that. Is it? Is that her life is just so cushy that she's bored, but that's mm-hmm. not why she acts like that. She acts like that because she's afraid to be shut down so much that she doesn't express herself. Um, when, I, when I think a good filler episode, we've, there's one coming up, and I don't want to spoil what it is, but I think that Chris probably doesn't like it, and I think that I probably do like it. Uh, because uh, <laughs> when I think filler episode, I think it's a standalone story, but that it could fit anywhere. Like It doesn't contribute chronologically maybe to the larger plot. But I still want it to just be a really interesting or unique kind of standalone story. Um, and I mean, I, I, I think that's what this is. I think it is a very unique standalone. I, it, it, like, it stands alone as a story that it's not 
it, it's about people that are other than our protagonists. Um, Gross, ew, Team Red Kid, ew. Yeah, sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, but I agree. I think what's cool about this episode is that you are right, Sean, and that like they didn't have to say that. Like we, I mean, it would have been enough for these characters to just kind of like live off of what we already knew about them, and you can kind of make your own assumptions. Like I think. We would be pretty close on most of them. Tylee's yeah. would have been the most surprising to me because yeah. at no point in the TV show do you get other really like family context. You mm-hmm. know she ran away to join the circus, which is kind of a a, a storytelling trope of its own. So maybe right. you still could have guessed. Like me, we, we knew she had a, a family in a political realm mm-hmm. uh, with a baby also. Like, I don't know. We could have implied some things, but it's, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. I think it's just the fact that like they didn't have to say any of that, but they took the time to do it, and and I think the fact that they had created a series which allowed them to diverge so fully from their a plot or their normal a plot, I think it's just it's. I just think like from a writing standpoint, I'm like, wow, this was super cool. <laughs> That's what I love about it. I, I will admit that after discussing with you guys, I find that there are far more like <laughs> memorable, uh, I'm going to call them like memorable pieces, things that stick out as fun individual pieces of show, even if it doesn't change my whole feelings on the episode yeah. all that far. Now, like I said, I am completely surprised. I did not, I expected to come out and be like, oh, 7.5, you know? <laughs> like, I, I just now put in. Because I'm pretty sure I'm fine with the 8.5 a story, even though I said uh, 8, which that jumps into like an 8.7, which is like a really high. Um, really, the only thing this episode is missing for me, yeah, yeah, the story is not the overarching story of like going to a party and being in high school, isn't all that interesting. Um, but like the Breakfast Club, right? It's not. It's it's about dealing with those high school issues, and it's interesting because I didn't even think about that when I was in high school watching wait when did this premiere i was in college so i might have been over my uh insecurities in high school for some reason once i got, <laughs> once I got to college i stopped caring about things <laughs> but uh or i just kind of stopped caring about what people thought about me it's weird kind of like a switch kind of went off it's a yeah. funny reference to me at the breakfast club because that is one movie that i have zero patience for None whatsoever, <laughs> and so that makes a no lot of sense to me. Not yeah, this episode. it makes a lot of sense <laughs> to me. Don't you? Do oh, no, don't you start saying me. you shut it off right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because I'm watching Community, so I'm into a movies and cultural references mood right now. That's the only reason. <laughs> I'm pretty That's sure funny. they reference it in an episode. Of course they do. Molly, yeah, Abed they, brings it. Molly, not Molly. Oh, he's yeah. like Marnie Ringworm or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. I guess that's uh, that's all my thoughts on the episode. I feel like I'm missing something here about Azuko though. Um. Oh, the thing I really liked about Zuko in this episode, right? So Zuko betrayed Team Avatar, but he's not evil like even here he's like i'm confused i don't know the difference between right and wrong anymore like azula knows the difference between right and wrong azula knows that she is evil but azula and but zuko still has in his mind that he's doing the right thing of betraying them because the right thing would be him being back and his father's good side and everything but he's still so confused about it yeah 
No, oh, it's so good. So such good Zuko content in this episode. He's confused. He feels like he should be happy. He's not. And this is where he kind of realizes. Actually, how did I not say this earlier? This is like the one thing when I think about memorable about this episode. It's like this is the one redeeming episode that I'm like, dang it. I wish that Zuko would have been able to be with Team Avatar from the beginning of book three. But if he did that, this episode would not exist. And so for that reason... Sounds this like a fair trade. <laughs> I think I think it's Zula. I gotta go back to Chris's point. I don't think she knows the difference between right and wrong and as much as like in in my mind, she's like a Voldemort character, right? She's like, there's just there's only power, and there's people who want yeah. the power, and then people who don't think that it matters, and that's so it's that. like a different. I it's like I don't think she actively thinks she's doing wrong. I think she just is driven by uh, that singular goal, kind of. Yeah, no, I completely. Yeah, like her, her, yeah, her philosophy is what's right and wrong. All depends on who has the power. Right? Exactly. Yeah, um, I determine what's right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because like. That is completely like Ozai says something to that effect to Zuko. Um, when and I forget what comic it is, probably it's not Smoking Shadow. Um, but I get the promise, and the promise he uh Zuko visits his father to get like advice, which is weird. But his father says, like, You're the fire lord, whatever you say is right, is right, essentially, like, whatever you it is right because you the fire lord says it it is so pretty much stop being you zuko just do whatever you want to do like throw your power around wherever you want to throw it like yeah there's no like moral question it's yeah it's about power yeah Hmm. Yeah, no this this episode hits it home though because i think this is a i i think there are so many turning points for Zuko, but I really think this is a big one. And I think just being able to see, to really be in the Fire Nation and be with the people that he would have been with if this horrible thing hadn't happened to him, and to be in that world and to be like, this is not only not what I think it, it, it was going to be, but this also just does not feel right. Like, I'm here right now and something feels wrong. And, like, this is when he really starts to figure it out. Ah. Yeah, great episode. Great episode, great content. It's a great five minutes stuffed into a 20-minute episode. Listen, <laughs> Scattered throughout a 20-minute episode. Listen, it is, it is very, it's very contemplative. We're going to chew on some thoughts. We're going to air some grievances. We are mm. going to get the words out. <laughs> like, I'm going to take this as a high compliment uh, that I enjoyed this discussion uh, with you guys about the episode at least a bajillion times more than I have ever enjoyed this episode. It's way more entertaining, uh, entertaining right here in this in this context in this room. <laughs> what is what does Abed call it? A box episode when they're all like trapped in the room. It's called um, a bottle episode. A bottle episode when they're trying to figure out who stole Annie's yeah. pen. Uh, yes, I hate those kinds oh, of episodes. Amazing also. episode. Uh, I, no, I actually. Well, I mean, I like that episode because of like its yeah. satirical sense. But he's right; I do hate that kind of episode. Um, but I like in the second season where he's getting more meta about episode types and things like that. He gets <laughs> his meta uh, takes goes up a notch. But uh, well, I think uh, we've we've probably overstayed our, our yeah. welcome. I don't know what our average score was. It probably I'm so gonna say be in the realm 7, of eight. Sean, what was yours? 
I don't remember the average on it, but I had I was like at seven, well, four, four, and eight. Seven, four, and eight, and I will not. I'll back down from the seven and maybe even the eight, but I will not back down from the four. I would rather watch a, a random it's episode a, like of a, Judge Judy. What a six and a half, then? So, uh, that sounds about right, give or take. Uh, so, so I'm going to say we would be point. in the low eights as an overall. The low yeah, eights. Probably, probably like a 7.4. Oh, you think it'd be that low? Or mine? Yeah. Mine be yeah. a 7.4. Uh, no, yours would be like a six and a half. Uh, yeah, it's maybe like a 7.7. 7. This episode, well, oh, and it does, this is a good representation, I think, of how the general public would feel. I imagine there's a certain number of general public that really loves it. And the rest of the general public that really does not, and so our scattered choices probably is a good representation, yeah. I think. Way to represent. Way <laughs> but, to represent. Yeah, we did good today. Hey, look, there's Combustion Man. The yeah, we are seeing just the beginning of him. There's more to come. In all of his glory. So <laughs> that being said, thank you, Jamie, very much for joining us for this wildly entertaining podcast. Thank you very much. Thing about a divisive episode and uh chris as well you know what chris i should thank you every week it's just because you're not a guest doesn't mean you don't deserve some thank you in the meantime we will <laughs> that's oh hi buddy thanks doggo for joining us he actually looks like he's ready for bed too he's like all right you put me down i'm gonna go to sleep for girl she was oh, just down here oh <laughs> i wish i had a dog i i have an apartment a tiny one i can't have dogs you just you gotta get a smaller dog. That's all. <laughs> Sneak it in there. She has something on her fur. Anyway, sorry. Don't be sorry. You never have to apologize for dogs. The thank you for joining us. <laughs> Next week is is Valentine's Day, and I don't know if we have any special Valentine's Day episode theme ideas. Uh, Why are you shipping so Valentine's Day? We should have done the shipping. You're right. We should have waited. Mm, yeah, that would have been a good one. Yeah, we'll just re-air the shipping when nobody will even notice. In the meantime, thank you it's for so watching. Good. You can listen to it so many times and never yeah. get bored. I actually probably could. Of all the ones that I listened to the full way through, you bet I listened to every like 120 <laughs> minutes of that podcast again the next day. So, <laughs> thank, thank you all for joining us for Avatar Last Podcasters. Uh, I'm Sean. Uh, that's Jamie. And Chris is also there. And all of our contact stuff, as always, will be in the description. So check us out on Twitter and Instagram and all the other places. And that's all I got to say. Have a great night. Thank you, everybody. Bye, thanks. Goodbye.